Welcome back to the Mindset Reload. I am your host, John Robertson. And on today's episode, we will recap episode four, It's Not What You Think It Is, with my good buddy and personal therapist, Mr. Rick Bermudez. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. When shopping for affordable and customizable insurance coverage, look no further than Rustic Ridge Insurance Services of Rome, Georgia. Rustic Ridge Insurance Services specialize in small business and farm insurance, as well as personal auto and property needs. Now serving Georgia and Alabama, contact Rustic Ridge Insurance Services at 706-622-2484. That's 706-622-2484. Call now to protect your assets. Mr. Rick, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, my man. I'm doing good. Another day on, on the neighborhood. And well, shall I say another day on this side of the ground. There you go. Hey, as long as we're on this side of the ground, we're doing good, right? That's it. That's it. So, you know, I just released this episode on Monday and uh, you had, which is, yeah, a couple of days ago, and you had the opportunity to listen to it. You know, and we talked really, you know, a lot about conditioned thinking and where it uh, derives from and, you know, um, my opinions on some of that and some statistics on some of that. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to get your opinion on what you feel like um, conditional thought patterns when they start. You know, my opinion is they start from basically right after conception. So, I mean, we can say birth, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, for me, when we take a look at conditioned thinking, um, they definitely happen from birth. Now, of course, you know, as being, you know, you know, babies and infants and stuff like that, you know, you can't necessarily, they're not at that point yet. But I mean, I, I would guess from the age of, let's say, you know, like one to two years old, pretty much, mainly two, um, you know, when a child begins to discover their world more, that's when it definitely really starts. Um, you know, the main thinking that we have when it comes to that aspect, um, in infancy, you know, you know, you know, babies are pretty much, you know, feed me, hug me, (laughs) you know, um, you know, that that's pretty much primarily that aspect to babies, you know, and then we see what happens when we don't, when we have a child or a baby that's not cared for like that, you know, who could basically form like, you know, RAD, you know, which is reaction, you know, reactive attachment disorder. Mm, um, okay. You know, so you can see stuff like that happening. But yeah, man, conditioned thinking, as far as when it comes down to it, yeah, dude, definitely, you know, we, we learn from our environments, you know. Right. That's, that, that's major. And I think that um, codependency, right? I, I, mm-hmm. We're taught that at, to me in the womb, right? Because we have to depend on it. And I feel like a child is born with a type of codependency because it has no other choice than to be codependent, right? Exactly. And I feel like as adults, our job is to break that cycle eventually, right? So you had mentioned one to two years old. What kind of, because I think age zero to six years is pretty pivotal. Oh, yeah, Definitely. What are some of the things to the parents that are listening that may be having, you know, some of those issues right now where, um, you know, they may be struggling with, you know, their child being a little bit more codependent, you know, especially with, you know, coming out of the COVID years and whatnot, you know, that kind of didn't help things. So how do you feel? Because, you know, you specialize in a lot of this stuff. So how do you feel about breaking that cycle a little bit 
Um, definitely. You, you definitely have to be able to break the cycle. And the way to break that cycle is you got to start forming independence for your, ch- from, for your child. Um, and that independence could start from a young age, you know, um, definitely, you know, just going into a mode of, as far as just thinking about it, going into a mode of when a child is, you know, when we see that codependency, when they're constantly wanting to be around you, you know, or constantly not, you know, not being able to be away from you, um, forming that unhealthy attachment, you got to be able to allow them to break away because what happens is that as they get older, as we know, that turns into something that's not good at all. So the way to kind of break that is by beginning to formulate that part of their mind to where they could be independent and letting them know it's okay to be independent, you know, not panicking when they cry, when you leave the room, um, letting them know it's okay. Um, praising them when they can be alone and be able to play on their own. Right. Right. So, Self-soothing in so many ways. Right. And I, I think that's important, you know, because there's so many kids growing up so fast, like I mentioned in the episode, you know, the more codependent they are, the more they're going to struggle. And, you know, I mentioned it and I, I kind of picked up on what you were saying a while ago. And we may can elaborate on it now or labor, elaborate on it later. But I had mentioned that I feel like substance abuse is a form of codependency. Oh, big time. And I think, you know, you would know more than me, right? You're a therapist. Um, but from from what I've seen, you know, I think that's a, a huge part of it. Right? You okay. know, every, everybody's, I have, right? I've dabbled with stuff. I think the large majority has at some point, you know, whether it been, you know, drinking or whatnot, you know. But, you know, I never formed a dependency because I wasn't codependent. But I think that a lot of people can go down a bad path in relationships, you know, as well as, you know, jobs, as well as um, substance abuse, because that codependency, that that need of feeling attached to something that gives them a certain release and a feeling. Would you agree with that? Yep. That's definitely that. That basically goes down because there's a loss of sense of self. Hmm. Right. So that sense of self is no is not there. So when we see somebody who jumps from one thing to the other and they become super dependent on it, right? Whether that be working out, whether that be, you know, a relationship, whether that be drugs, whether that be a hobby, you know, when they begin to become dependent on that and that's what it is and, you know, it becomes an unhealthy attachment, that's when, like you said, we go into that dangerous aspect of that conditioned thinking, right? Where it's like, okay, I, you know, I need to, I need to be doing this. You know, this is something that I need to attach myself to because I don't have a sense of self. If we notice anybody who grows up with a sense of self, right, and we're not dependent on anybody or anything, you see more success. Correct. Because they're focused on themselves. Exactly. You know, they're focused on self-growth. They're focused on, hey, I don't need to go ahead and, you know, you know, I, I don't need to be around my friends. You know, I don't need to be in this relationship. I can go ahead and, you know, go out to eat on my own, you know, without having to, you know, the need of, oh, well, I I need to be with somebody. I, you know, I, you know, I'm worried that if I'm, you know, somebody sees me by myself or if people see me like this, I'm, I'm lonely. No, you know, a sense of self is based off of you being confident within yourself and understanding who you are. And it's okay to be with ourselves sometimes, man. I tell people that all the time. Having a sense of self and not depending on another person is is good. Now, don't get me wrong. Dependency on 
somebody when it comes to like a marriage or anything like that, that's not negative. Right. 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 That's like that's a partnership. Equal, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a partnership. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's no different from even a work relationship. You know, when you, you know, if you, if, if you're a, if you're a boss or, you know, if you're a supervisor and you got to depend on your workers to make sure they're there and, you know, they, they do their part, that, that dependency is not bad, but an overall dependency of, which I see a lot of is I see a lot of people getting in, you know, when, when it comes down to, it, I see a lot of people going towards that lane of being super dependent on a relationship. Right. And especially nowadays, man, when I see a lot of our kids, a lot of our teens, you know, I'll die if I don't, you know, if I'm not with you. Right. Yeah. No, I get that. Trust me. Yeah. And that's that right there is so unhealthy. Not only is it unhealthy for you as a person, but it's also unhealthy for the person that you're with, because now that person feels, okay, I can't be away from this person. And they feel somewhat Mm. of a not necessarily a burden, but they feel like a yeah, like 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 they they feel like a guilt that they can't get away from that aspect of you, right? And then they feel like, well, if I if I if I break up with this person, knowing how unhealthy this relationship is, you know, they may do something to themselves. So I mean, could that be codependency or could that also be a form of narcissism? Um, it could be looked at from both perspectives. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. That's kind it of what's be going through at- my head. Yeah, it could definitely be looked at from both perspectives. Um, a narcissist mainly is about themselves, mm-hmm. right? Like, but they will the manipulate to get what they want. Yes, and that's the whole aspect of narcissism. Narcissism is I'm gonna gaslight you. I'm gonna say these things. I'm gonna you know push to the point of getting my way, regardless of anything. So regardless of how you feel, you know, regardless of anything else, I'm going to keep doing these things because eventually I'm going to get what I want out of the deal where codependency, a person could be codependent and stay in a bad relationship because they're codependent. Right. So that person that's codependent may not be be narcissistic. That person that's codependent could be dealing with a person who is narcissistic and feeling that, hey, well, since I'm so codependent in this relationship, I have to stay with this person. Right. Right. And, I, you know, I read a, a study and we, we don't have to go down the whole narcissism trail. But while we have opened that womb, so to speak, or that wound, so to speak, um, I got womb on my mind from talking about birth. But to, since we opened that wound, would you I've heard and I've read that narcissism can be taught as a toddler, too. Oh, yeah. Based upon Definitely. how you're raised and how you're treated by your parents. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Hands down. So as parents, we have to watch what we do, what we say, how we gaslight our own children. Yeah. Well, if you look at it from a behavior standpoint, right, like a behavioralist standpoint. Correct. Um, and what the, the way most behavioralists feel and, and they believe that a child is reared by their environment. Right. So the environment creates the child. Correct. So, yes, if a child grows up in an environment to where there's narcissism, they learn that, right? If a child grows up in an angry environment, they learn that. If a child grows up with parents who are highly depressed and that's what the, you know, the normal culture is of the household, that child will grow up to be depressed. Can they be born with it? Um, Is there like a scientific study that says there's traits within a parent that the offspring gets from birth? Depending on what it is, depending on what it is. Like, I'm not too versed on that. Right. But 
the one thing I can tell you is that there are certain diagnoses that, yes, it can be passed down. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I mean, I can see that. Um, bloodline plays a, a huge role. Um, you know, and I'm not, you know, this episode isn't the bash parents, right? I'm a parent. Oh, no, no, I, no, I have not been the best parent. I don't think anyone can be the best parent. I do remember when my oldest was born, the doctor looked at us, you know, we're like, Hey, he doesn't cry at all, man. He's a great kid. He goes, no such thing as good kids, good parents. You know, I was like 19, 20 at that time. So I didn't really get that. Now I get that, you know, and it it takes a lot, you know, and just to go ahead and tease next week's episode, it's called strong as a mother, where we dive into the role a mother plays and how overwhelmed they, they can become and stressed out because they don't take time for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is no how to be a parent guide out there. It's, it's hard. Exactly. It's hard, especially, you know, when you're young, being a parent. Um, See, what, what we got to realize is that um, there's tons of books out there that you can read. Right. Nothing is ever going to really and truly prepare you to be a parent other than, you know, going through it. Well, it's changing That's so fast. It, it really does, because you got to realize, and this is the one thing that I know, which is so factual, you're dealing with people. Right. When you're a parent, you're dealing with the person, man. And we as people, we are so left, right, up, down, diagonal, um, circular, square, you know, triangular. We, you know, we. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't even see the same, you know, two s- set of siblings. They're exactly like. With yeah, no. the same parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I want to dive into that just a little bit, man, because I know some people, you know, may be listening you know, through this episode, I want to dive into some of the stuff I didn't really get to cover because I knew you and I would cover it. <clears throat> so I want to dive into that, but we'll dive back into the episode now unless you have anything to add to that. Oh, no, 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 sir. Go for it. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So, you know, I said in here and, you know, I didn't, I didn't coin this. I, I Every episode I study, right? I study to make sure that what I feel like I, is my opinion uh, is based by something. You know what I mean? And I mean, some of the things I spoke about with school and stuff is based on my opinion. And I'm sure there's a debate out there. We'll go into that. But I said, you know, if our feelings are caused by our thoughts, shouldn't we be taught that? And secondly, shouldn't we learn to think on purpose so we can control our feelings? Because that's huge. If, If everything in life we do is based on a feeling, a feeling of how we will feel when we get it. And the feeling that we will avoid by not getting it. Yeah. Which creates a thought. And that even goes on down to grieving, right? Because people yeah. are like, okay, well, if that's the case, then how am I grieving over somebody that died? Because you're thinking about it. Like if you didn't know they died, you wouldn't be grieving. Right. So everything really is a thought that creates a feeling. Yeah. And then your feeling drives your actions and your actions create your results. Yep. As simple as that sounds, I think that we have to dive into our brains, not dissect it physically. But live in it for a minute. And I think that's where, and I've never tried it. I'm one to meditation. I think that's where meditation goes down that road of really cutting out everything around you and meditating and getting inside your own brain and just seeing how messed up it is, you know, and why am I thinking this? Why am I afraid of this? You know, why am I the way I am? And, and, and trying to figure out how you got where you are and why you got there. And you got to go back as far as you can remember. You know, and if that's your childhood, that's your childhood. If that's your teenage years, that's your teenage years. If it's your adulthood, it's your adulthood. If it's bad divorce, bad divorce, right? But you have to go back to, okay, when was I happy and when did I become sad? 
when was I thriving and when did I start struggling? Because there's an answer in there somewhere. But we get too caught up on the now where we need to go back and think, okay, how did it happen? Right? Yep. And fix that and make sure that not only do we identify our influencers and our influences, but how can we change that going forward so that not only can we mold a better mindset for ourselves, but how can we not go down that path again? The biggest thing that I see too in that, and what you're saying is uh, the, a lot of people don't know how to manage their feelings. It's hard. You know, that's the biggest thing. And it is hard. It's, it's Rick, Rick. not easy at all. Not to cut you off. Mm -hmm. You're a therapist. Yeah. It's hard for you, right? Yeah. It's hard for me. We know what we know and it's hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're my therapist. You've seen me struggle with stuff. Stuff yeah. that we're talking about in this episode. It's hard. But yeah. what is your guide to that? What is, it's hard, but if you, if you were to say, hey, here's a three-step process to try. Yeah to better yourself with the topic we're on, what, what would you suggest? First thing, first thing, open mind. Open mind. Right. Don't be stubborn. The biggest problem when it comes to dealing with a mindset, to dealing with feelings, to dealing with emotions, to dealing with any of it is overall stubbornness. Sometimes we like to stay where we are because that's where we want to be stuck. We're and we don't know. Hey, there you go. And, and I've said it a, a thousand times and tell me if you agree with this. Mm -hmm. To me, comfort is where dreams and ambition go to die. Yeah, definitely. When you look at anybody who is on that road of success, mm -hmm. they will tell you we are never comfortable. You can't. Like it's a life of anxiety. I get it. Yeah. It sucks. But it's like today at my personal job, I got an opportunity to take a promotion that is going to be very challenging. But I'm not worried about it. Is it, is it going to be, you know, is my days going to be fuller? Yeah. You know, is my responsibilities going to be greater? Yeah. But at the same time, it's a privilege to have that opportunity. And also it's great to embrace a challenge. Challenges are is a part of life, man. And I think that that's where a lot of people go down the wrong path because they just don't want to embrace the challenge. Yeah. And you know, our bodies were created. If you think back to ancestors before ancestors and everything, we lived in an anxious world, correct? Because we had to hunt to eat. We had to survive. You had yeah. to thrive mm -hmm. or you become obsolete. Well, that's the whole point. And at that, that's why when you look at those groups of, you know, those groups that had to live that way, right? Mm -hmm. That's why anxiety is foreign for them. That's why depression is foreign for them. Not saying that they weren't going through it, but just saying they understood, I got to move forward. It was a part of life. It didn't have a tagline on it. See, I think that it's been tagged so much and, and all due respect, it needs to be because mental health is a huge problem in America Major. across the world. Major. You know what I mean? But back then, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. If you go back 40, 50 years ago and even 100, 200, 1,000 years ago, if you didn't know what it was, you couldn't recognize it and you couldn't self-indulge on it. Right. And, and our problem now is we want everything now and we sit here and overthink everything. 
And when you, the first step of fixing this is realizing what problem you have. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to go down the path of overthinking and self-indulging and which then leads into anxiety and depression. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It's, it's hard. It's, anything we're talking about isn't like, hey, guys, here's a three-step process to just fix no, it overnight. <laughs> but that's why that's why I was saying before the biggest step is you can't be stubborn with yourself. No. Right? We can yeah. know what a problem is. We could go ahead and say that first. Okay, here's my problem, right? Which right. 90% of people know what, what their problem is already. Right. Uh, not 90. I would say maybe like uh, seven, let's say 70, 80, 70 to 80 percent of the people are pretty much know what their problem is. Right. They'll be able to tell you. They may look and say, oh, well, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But they know right. what they've been through in their life. They understand what they've been through. And then once I usually get them in the room and I talk to them, then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know something, Rick? You're right. That is my, that is the problem. Right. I did go through this. I did do that. Okay, so what's stopping you from being able to move forward? And then when we when we find out. I have yet to meet anyone who is has not suffered from being stubborn with their diagnoses. Ding, 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 I was. <laughs> right? It's that stubbornness that keeps us there, right? It's that mm -hmm. when we're talking to somebody, it's that, but, but, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. right? You, know, you got to be vulnerable you, with yourself. Yeah, you have to be. You got to be honest with yourself and you got to be able to say, okay, wait, 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 here's my problem. Right. Okay. Am I being stubborn now? You know, mm -hmm. am I, am I, am I in a point of stubbornness? Right. Am I at the point of to where I'm choosing to want to stay here because I've been so comfortable with it for all these years that I'm okay with being here. Right. And I've seen many people, many people, John, many people go ahead and stay there and be comfortable with that. Right. That's all they and know. They can, and they continually come to therapy and ask and say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get past. I don't know how to move. Well, the only answer I can give you is you got to make that choice to not be stubborn anymore. Sure you got to make that choice against to the say, wall, wondering why you have a headache. And that's, and that's what it is. That's what it is. And I, trust I was me, guilty I, of that at one point. We all are. I know I was at one point in time when I was dealing with it. And I see many clients, many different clients, many different people, uh, many different individuals who have that same challenge, right? They will tell me everything. Well, this is what I, I keep going through the same thing over and over again. I keep experiencing this nightmare over and over and over right. again. And, you know, I, I don't know what to do, Rick. I don't know what to do. And then I say, okay, well, you know, try this, try that. I, I, I just can't. Okay. Right. The minute you tell yourself you can't, you won't. No, as soon as you say you can't, you failed. Yeah. Automatically. And some people, unfortunately, unfortunately, and like I said, you know, I, I, I will not knock anyone. I will not say anybody because some people have learned to stay in this. Right. Some people have mastered this because we got to understand it takes 10,000 hours to master anything. Right. 10,000 hours. You know, that pretty much equates between anywhere between three to four years. Right. Okay. So some people, when we take a look at it. So if I tell you it's three to four years to master something. Some people have mastered this for more than three to four years. So if I got somebody who's now in their 40s and they tell me, well, hey, Rick, I have been dealing with depression. I've been dealing with anxiety. I've been dealing with that since I was 10. Mm. And I'm now 40. How many years over and over have you mastered the ability of being anxious? 30. <laughs> right? 
How many years have you sat and mastered the ability of being depressed? Sure. Right. And, the, and so, that is a form of conditional thinking. Yes. Yeah. Automatically. I, mean, I know on my show, I went real hard and heavy on it's not what you think it is, because a lot of us adults try to fix what we are now. But we think it's something that happened last week, last year, 10 years ago or recently. It goes back to things that you experienced, which could tie into that trauma manipulation. Things that you experienced years ago, even at birth, probably some things that seem familiar, but you don't even remember happened. But subconsciously, you do. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. everything we're talking about isn't off subject because that is a different form of conditioned thinking because you yeah. have taught yourself to think that way. So you either have the form of codependency where you were created and you were brought up to think a certain way. Okay. Or you can, you can create it yourself. Like you're talking about negative self-talk or situations you put yourself into, mm-hmm. and then you expect everything to be the same outcome. And now you've conditioned your mindset. Yeah. Okay. So on the, on the episode also, I talked about the 12 year old transition point that I felt like the 12 years old is a new 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And and you can elaborate on this because if I'm not mistaken, one of your main roles in your profession is working with teenagers, right? Yes. Yeah. So what do you feel about that? Um, Definitely. Now, in what aspect do you mean when you say that? Like when we're talking about that, like, you know, so let's say we're 12 years old, right? So do you mean the mind shift, the change? I feel like a little bit of everything. I feel like puberty. I feel like a transition with social media. Usually 12 years old is a time where parents start saying, okay, here's free realm to your phone and internet. Um, 12 years old is basically right before you transition into high school. I just feel like 12 years old is a pivotal moment in your life. And I've got a 20, you know, two 20 year olds and a 16 year old. And I noticed that with them. And that's where I got that from. I don't think that back in, I would have been 12 in like 1991. I don't think 12 years old was my transition period. I think it was 14, 15, 16, somewhere around in there, probably 14. But now I'm seeing it from personal experience at 12. Oh, yeah, because it's societal. Correct. It's just based on how fast the internet, how fast the world's growing around us. Yeah, it's societal. The the, the one thing I'm going to tell you now is that I I look at it now, right? My 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 um, my six year old, seven year old nephew, right? Seven. My seven year old nephew, you know, he navigates his phone and he's on YouTube and I'm just listening to what he's listening to. And some of these things, man, is forcing these kids to grow up fast. So I totally agree with you when you say 12 is that age of change, right? That's when we begin to see it. That's when we begin to see a lot of things. Um, I'm seeing it now overall, man. Like, um, you know, I, I have a program where I do with, you know, a recovery support center for teens. And let me tell you, man, the age, you know, the age that we were getting before was a whole bunch of like, you know, you know, 15, 16. You know, it was rare for us to get a 14 year old. Right. Right. Very rare for us to get a 14 year old. Now, Mm -hmm. today, recently, we just got a whole bunch of intakes and brother, they are all 13. That's what I'm saying. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. So all of these guys are getting introduced to drugs. All of these guys are getting introduced to sex. All of these guys are getting introduced to fighting and all this, all these things. Yeah. To me, I feel like because everybody's normalizing that stuff. They think it's cool. We have a problem. People are normalizing drugs. People are normalizing sex and people are normalizing fighting. 
Yeah. You know, you got adults doing it. So if adults are doing it and kids are watching the adults do it, what are they supposed to do? That's the whole thing. But again, look at what we just said. Learning environment, right? Environmental. Right. right. So as adults, you have the option to take yourself out of an environment. But as children, you don't. No. I mean, no, they are, they are subjected. They are, they are subjected to their environment. They are subjected to what they see, what they experience. Right. And that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing we see now. So now that's why we have that 12 year old transitional period to where you're seeing them where you're like, okay, I got a 12 year old, but my 12 year old, I feel like he's 16. So right? let me ask I feel you like this. she's 16. Exactly. And that's where I'm going with that. So when I say 12 and you said statistically proven in your personal experience, it's 13. So if we listen to what I said in the podcast, I said also that I think at 12 years old, I would encourage at least six months of therapy because that is six months to prep them for what they're the phase they're about to go through. Mm -hmm. It's okay to feel this. Here's the consequences of this. What is yeah. your environment? What yeah. bothers you? What makes you sad? Okay. You're going to go through a transitional period in your life where things are going to seem like you don't want to take the next breath. You're going to go through a period in your life where you're going to be peer pressure to either be cool and do drugs, or you're going to be called a narc or, you know, something, and you're going to be belittled and forced into it. Why is that not happening? Why are we not having this conversation right before we know all these things are exposed? It's, 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 it's between it being taboo for people saying, Hey, hands off, right? That old laissez faire, right? Hands mm -hmm. off, right? We don't want to touch that. We don't want to mess with that. We have to. Right. Right. That, so, so you have that aspect of it. Then right. you have the other aspect of it of societal, you know, strain. Right. Now, when I say societal strain, here's what I mean. We're living in a world today where both mother and father have to work. So when do they have mm -hmm. the time to teach that child that? You're right. So it comes even more dependent upon what I mentioned in this podcast, education. Exactly. All right. So who is really raising our children? When you come down to the nuts and bolts of it, what you just said with both parents having to work, I would say probably 80% of the time your children were somebody else, especially if they're doing sports. Yeah. Okay. Say you say they go to school, do sports and go to church, you know, Sunday school. And I'm not knocking any of those particular things. I'm just saying parents really aren't the main educator or disciplinarian. And then yeah. if we want to talk about success, like I talked about in the podcast, to me, I know schools have a certain curriculum, but that is so outdated, bro. Like you are taught teaching our children to become employees, not employers. Mm -hmm. So if you have electives in school and you have someone who excels in math, it should be an elective to take trigonometry, calculus, et cetera. It shouldn't be forced on the people who can't take that, right? Mm. And if they want to pursue that and pursue college and become a doctor, lawyer, whatever, that's fine. Make a path for them. But, you know, growing up, mom was vocational. I went to vocational tech. I learned how to do construction, drafting and design, and that created everything I do to this day. And I've been very successful in some of that stuff. You know what I mean? 
Oh, yeah. they, took, they took that away for a large period of time. They're bringing it back now. I mean, we've been building and remodeling schools for career and college academies mm-hmm. all over Georgia, man. I love it. It's great. Yeah. But if we were teaching our children and, and giving them the electives, like you got RP, weights, et cetera, that's fine. Okay. But why is there not classes on, why, why is there not real health classes? You learn nutrition, but you don't learn, hey, if you go down this path, path, you're going to be obese. And I can personally speak on that. I used to weigh 420 pounds. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have took it more serious. But the fact of the matter is it was just looked at, oh, it's just a health class. You have to take it one time. No, that is a huge problem in America, is it not? Yeah, major. Okay. Major. Why do we not have counseling in school? You have counselors, but they're guidance counselors. We don't have counselors. Okay. Yeah. I, for one, know that when my dad died, I was 19, but my brother was 13. Him and two of his best friends all lost their father in the same year to cancer. Wow. Okay. As far as I know, all of them dropped out of school within two years. No one once said, hey, we heard what happened. We know what you're going through. We're here to talk to you. Because we've lost that village. It takes a village to raise a child mentality. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, I'm That's not knocking the, education, bro, and I'm not knocking teachers, and I understand that they they oh, work no, their butts yeah, no, off. I'm just uh, saying, uh, I think they're using this language, but the teachers are busting their ass. Yeah, no, no, by, they, all, by all means. They are. Know. I just think yeah. the curriculums needs changed. Well, if you look at it now, when I talk to teachers, man, mm-hmm. the teachers want the curriculums to change. So what's the Teaching is not what it used to be. Teaching is... I mean, teaching when I when I talk to these teachers now, man, a lot of them say that they, they feel like the teaching now is is robotic. We're gearing our kids for testing. And they either pass or they fail. And, and, they fa- and yeah, and no child's left behind. Towards. Yeah, because that's what we're gearing them towards. Everything is mm-hmm. geared towards we're t- teaching them for this one, that one, th- that test, this test. Everything is geared towards tests. If you look at it right, like you're taking away a teacher's ability to really teach or now you're kind of making them have to switch up the way they teach to try to make it as fun and as cool as possible. Right. You know, but what's the opposite of teach learning kids ain't learning. They're not teaching. And I'm not blaming that on the teacher. I'm blaming on the curriculum. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, you know, as an adult and the folks are listening are adults, whenever you get in the real world, people look at you at, okay, what are you good at? What is your wheelhouse? So to speak. Mm-hmm. We need to do that in school. This guy excels in science. This 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 lady, you know, and excels in math. Why yeah. are we not creating projects? Because you know, it ain't like this is a one-off over here. There is a group of kids, okay, that need a different path, and it yeah. seems to be the same kids that get left behind and just passed along. They end up having a fixed mindset that weren't taught to grow uh-huh. and just pat it on the butt and pass on through school. What is that doing for our society? Just like I said in the podcast, I'll wait while someone tells me the last major thing that was invented in the last 20 years that we use every day. If you go back and you look a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, generations prior to us created all kinds of stuff that we use still this day. There's not too much change in that now. Who's to blame for that? Those are facts. 
Hands down. You'll, you will see a drop off. Me and my wife were sitting there one night and we were Googling, Googling, Googling. She's like, man, cheesecake was made 5,000 years ago. Food. And we looked at some other things, you know, with like blender, you know, just weird things. Well, like, golly, it was made that long ago, you know? And, you know, I think that speaks for itself. If people will start looking at things statistically, yeah. you will see the problem. Just like if you, as a person, want to fix yourself, you got to look at statistically what you're doing wrong. Statistically, why you keep doing it wrong. You got to evaluate it, fix it, adapt and move on. Yeah. At what point do we hold the accountable accountable and do the same thing for our society? We can we, we don't understand the power that we have as a, a you know, you know, as human beings, as a people. Right. We have the power to dictate change so strongly, but we get distracted and it's very easy to distract us with social media. Right. And I'm not knocking social media. It's there for a great reason. I get distracted mm -hmm. by it. Sometimes it's a great distraction. Absolutely. Right. It takes you away from the reality of the world. But the one thing is that we still got to come back to the reality of the world. And the minute the masses understand the power they have, mm -hmm. they can move mountains. You ain't kidding. And that's where we get out of the conditioned mindset, the conditioned thinking. Right. I, I agree, man. I agree. You know, it starts. It starts at childbirth. Yeah. Okay. Parents and guardians. It goes into school. Then at some point it goes into circumstance. Situational. And then as adults, we're sitting here wondering, how did I get off track? How did I get off track? Well, it started a long time ago. Start looking deeper than where you're looking. You got to really dig into your brain and think as far back as you can remember. Mm -hmm. Start there and then go forward. But, oh, that's when it was. You know, I did that. At what point in my life did I get sad when my dad got cancer? When I didn't play football my senior year because I had to go to work. Because the more I worked, less responsibility, you know, they had for paying for me. And anything extra on top of that helped pay for my little brother, you know. And that's when I developed sadness. And I had to learn to come to terms with that and be like, you know what? That is dramatic, dramatic as it was happened one time. Why am I still carrying it? Yeah. You have to realize that even with something like that, it happened one time. People get cheated on it happened one time. That yeah. person was a piece of shit. Not you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I, brought, I, preach it. I preach it every day, but again, it goes into that dependency mindset, the condition mindset. It goes into all of that, right? The minute we can know, the minute we know how to navigate these things and learn how to navigate them better, we move better. Right. I agree. So, so that's the whole thing. So again, get out of stubborn thinking, right? You know, when you're having a problem, get mm -hmm. out of the stubbornness, right? Believe that you can. Try right. Get out of and like number two to that negative thinking. Get rid of negative thinking. Right. You will not succeed. You will go nowhere with negative thinking. So one, stop being stubborn. Two, get out of negative thinking. Three, don't quit. Never quit. Never quit. And somewhere in there, you got to identify self-love, which I am going to yeah. have two more episodes I know of in the next five or six that I want you in on. One of them is the definition of true happiness, because yeah. I think that is a delusion. People think that happiness comes from pleasure and it does not. Mm -mm. It comes from peace. Mm -hmm. And then that the other one is, 
is the definition of self-love because people get confused with that. They think that just to me, and I may be wrong and you tell me, cause I'm new at this mm-hmm. to me, there's a difference between self-love and self-care. Self-care is okay. I got a promotion. I'm going to go out to eat. I'm going to drink a bottle of wine. That's awarding yourself. Mm-hmm. Self-love is creating growth in yourself. The yeah. difference of that is with self-love, my job, my, my boss was a, whatever you want to call him today, not mine, but this is somebody speaking in case my boss is listening. Um, you know, my boss, <laughs> <There> <laughs> my coworkers go. were, you know, jerks or whatever today. I'm going home and drown myself in a bottle of wine. That's the opposite of self-love. And that is not self-care. Why is that? Because now you created a dependency to mask what you went through today. And the definition of that to me is, okay, is what you're doing that you title self-love or self-care make you better tomorrow when you wake up? If it does not, then it is not self-care or self-love, mm-hmm. right? So we will dive into depth of that on another episode. Definitely. But is there anything that you want to add um, to this episode in closing? Um, overall, like we were talking about before, you know, those three things, get away from stubbornness, get away from negative thinking and never quit. You know, those are three things that, you know, and of course we can always dive deeper into them um, mm-hmm. with incorporating self-love and everything else, you know, cause all of that comes with the territory, right? We could literally write a book on it. Um, the main thing I would say is as far as conditioned thinking, um, think outside of the box, right? Don't be afraid to think outside of the box. Um, don't be afraid to challenge yourself. Um, don't be afraid to apply pressure to yourself. And don't be afraid to think against the grain. Don't be afraid to get away from conditioned thinking. Sure. Right. It's going like to the- be uncomfortable. It is. It, it, it always is. scary. Yeah, it always is, man. It always is. I can't it tell you how is. many times I change things up on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I told my wife the other day and I've told, you know, other folks this too. It's like sometimes, you know, growing up, I wasn't the favorite parent, you know, growing up as a parent. I wasn't the favorite parent because sometimes I just said no just to say it. Because I think people need to learn the word no. Yep. And to this day, I see other people in my profession, they get overwhelmed, you know, they get thrown five or six construction jobs or whatever. And they're like, man, I, I can't even breathe. I'm like, learn to say no. Yeah. So that's a thought pattern, right? And those kids, are part of life, man. man, look, hey, I looked at it today. I had an opportunity and someone was like, hey, can you bail me out on this? And I was like, okay, I'll bail you out. Then it become way more stressful because of them, not because of me. Right. And I was like, you know what? This is the last time I'm doing it. Because it takes me to a place that I abandoned a long time ago in my self-growth, right? Which means if it's giving me anxiety, if it's overwhelming me because it's out of my control and I can only control what I'm in control of, I can't do this anymore because I can't depend on the other party to meet me halfway so that I can stay within my realm of self-growth and positive thinking. So it was cool to be able to see that and know, hey, this is about taking me down that path where... I'm about to start having a bad day. It's about to take me down a path where I'm getting a little anxiety. I'm having a little panic attack. You know what I mean? It's about to get me to a place where I'm not comfortable 
or, you know, confident in being able to do this and it's making me uncomfortable. So therefore it ain't about not embracing that challenge at that point. It's like, I'm having to depend on somebody else to do what they got to do. Why am I putting that stress on me when it's not my fish to catch? Yeah, indeed. And it was cool. It was cool to know that I've set boundaries, man. And, and I think that that's where a lot of people, if they'll just practice this for a certain period of time. And after I say this, you know, I've asked other people this, I'll ask you, I haven't asked you yet. There needs to be a six month plan, 90 day plan, one year plan on how to self indulge, how to, you know, in a good way, like figure out who you are and really think about it. Um, because then when you start seeing yourself making changes, like I did today, it's awarding internally. It feels good to say, Hey, you know what? Someone tried to put me in a path or a position that I don't, that I don't like being in because I know what the result of that is. I said, no, pat myself on the back. So in your professional opinion, for those who are listening, what do you think that time period is? You know, in a previous episode, I said, and I was talking more or less like getting into a fitness routine. Yeah. Give yourself a solid five to seven days a week, really committing to diet and, and, and you know, exercise for 90 days. Because I feel like then it becomes second nature. Because just like conditional thinking, it's caused because you keep going down the same path to a second nature. So therefore, your brain always goes down that path. What do you think a good self-care time period is to try to really focus on yourself, journaling or whatever it is? What, what do you think in your profession, what do you usually see that being? Three months, six months, a year? And I know it's different for everybody, but what is the bare minimum you say, hey, you got to do this for this amount of period of time in order to be able for it to soak in? Well, one, you take it month by month. Um, but I would say a good amount of time would start out, what would be to start out with three. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's what I did. Yeah. You start out with three, um, and you, you know, you create whatever you got to create in that time, your vision board, um, you know, your journaling list, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to do. I call it accountability chart. Yeah, exactly. Accountability chart, whatever you want to begin to create for yourself you know, you go ahead and you dedicate that time to doing that, right? And you stick to it. You do your best to stick to it. You cut out the outside noise. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to. Change your environment. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your, to. Change your ways and be honest with yourself. Yep. And here, and here we go. It comes back to that word I used in the beginning. Bring it. Don't be stubborn. Exactly. So if they really, really dig into that for 90 days, they'll see a change. Yeah. And that change will become comforting. You're 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 going to have to. It's like anything. If you dedicate the appropriate amount of time to changing something, the change will naturally happen. It will come. If a person dedicates three months to working out and they do exactly what they have to do within those three months, they get the proper they get the proper workouts. They do the research. Mm -hmm. They learn their body type. They learn what to eat properly. If they do it the right way, they will see the results. It's no different for mental health. And when right? you stick to that, you set mm-hmm. up boundaries, you set up guardrails. I say boundaries because you say, hey, I'm about to go down a path I don't want to go. So therefore you create a boundary, but you set up guardrails too, because like you start slacking, you're like, oh, I can't do that. You got 
to me, that's what I call it. I got these guardrails. I I think about when your bowling bowling ball bounces off the the lane and hits, you know, the guardrails when you were a child bowling. Some adults do that, whatever. Oh, yeah. But you know what I mean? It puts you back on track. So I that's what I vision when I say guardrails. Right. Because you feel yourself starting to like, oh, man, I did not get like for me. I hurt my shoulder a month ago. I haven't went to the gym in like three weeks. And I'm it's easy for me to get depressed on that. And I can't say that I have not gotten a little bit down about it. I need to get back in it. And that starts tomorrow. Um, Maybe tonight. I shouldn't have said tomorrow because I'm supposed to encourage now. So I caught myself just then. But I think once you do it. You create guardrails and boundaries, and that's what will keep you in line because it becomes muscle memory. It becomes a new conditioned thought process where it's like, hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to be doing it. If I don't do this, now I'm going to go down a bad path. That's see, why you, you see. Perfect. Go ahead. What, you just said, what you just said was perfect. Mm-hmm. Creating a new routine. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Right. Nothing wrong with that. That's That's what leads to change. But it can't be one of these new year, new me routines that fades out. It's got to be a lifestyle change. That's why I don't like, and and we get called, you get called as a therapist. I get called as, you know, a semi-life coach talking to people. And we use the word journey. I don't like the word journey because if you're on a journey, there's a destination. Mm -hmm. And I think in life and everything you're doing goals-wise, there should never be a destination. It should be a path that leads you to another path. So with what we're talking about is a lifestyle change. Yeah. Not a journey. Journey has a destination. You got to commit to it. You got to adapt to it. Yeah. You got to change. Regardless of how uncomfortable it is, you got to do it. That's right. You got to dedicate your time to actually putting in the work. That's right. That's what I tell people every day, all the time. A lot of times, man, people are, you know, half of the reason why a lot of people lose out on success is because they're afraid of putting in the work. Right. Everybody wants the easier way to get what they want. You know, somebody realize they're failing quicker by thinking that way. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. And I see it every day. I see it every day. I, you know, me and you both worked in the music industry. How many artists have we seen not put the work in and do it the wrong way and then complain after or why they're not on yet? Ninety nine percent. of them, <laughs> Right. <laughs> And it's like, dude, no, man, you got to put the work in. You got to get out there. You got to hustle. You got to bustle. You got to you got you got to put the you know, you know, you know, you have to go ahead and put the work into, you know. Failing and and succeeding again and then, you know, finding what's what works for you, finding what doesn't work for you. Um, You know, you got to go through that whole spill. There's no you know, everybody wants the easier path. Dude, there's no easier path. People are privileged. They think that. They're just giving stuff. And this isn't just for the music business, this is for anything, right? Here's my my thinking. And it's not John's thinking, it's thought by other people and probably yourself. But here's how I think about it. Okay. You are only gonna get equal amount or more out of something of what effort you put into that. Damn real. See what I'm saying? I mean, you can't just wake up and piss ass of excellence. Because if if people's like, oh, well, that, that he was born with a silver spoon, people screw that up every day. Heck yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it has nothing to do with being born rich. Okay. No. It's your fault if you're born poor. I mean, it's not your fault if you're born poor, but it's your fault if you die poor. It's not your fault if you were born in a bad environment, but it is your fault if you die in a bad environment. Yeah. 
right? That's where people got to change. Like it has nothing to do with so-and-so has money. So-and-so has an investor. So-and-so was born in the, it does not matter. People yeah. turn rags to riches every single day, be a success, successful story and let your haters be your autobiography. And that's it. But the, again, there's people because, you know, of their mindset and because of the way they think and the way they were trained to think that stay there. And then they have the that mentality of, well, this is my lot in life, right? No, people don't realize you create your lot in life. That's right. And most of the people that are in that position are actually living whoever taught them's life. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's why I said in the episode, like, if someone's born, if someone is 20 in 2023, that means their thought process is based, their foundation of their thought process is 2003. Yeah. Okay. My dad was born in 1940. He was 39 when I was born. That was my thought process. Actually, that was a good era to live. So thankfully, that was a good thing because he was a jack of all trades and a master of every single one of them, which is very odd. And my brother and I are very, very um, diversely trained in a lot of things. You know, I've done a lot. He's done a lot, right? Because of our father. But it's not like that nowadays. He came from a generation that had to survive. He came from a generation of poverty, right? People nowadays are coming from a generation of what? That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. Like our foundation is not what it was a long time ago. Well, it's not. Only, no, your foundation, your parent, we're the only species and I, I don't know. And if there's an animal, Specialists, they can email the show. Okay. Podcast at the mindset reload.com, by the way. All right. So are we not the only species that hold on to our children as long as we do? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm talking about from a cuddling oh, yeah. nutrient standpoint. Hands down. Hands yeah. down. Hands down. Most most of the do when you take a look at the, the animal kingdom, it's like, hey, all right, you know. We got to take care of you from this time to this time. But on the, at the end of the day, you better learn how to survive. You better learn how to hunt. Yeah. You got people out there saying, I'm a lion. I'm this, I'm the king of this man. You still borrowing money from your mama. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, brother. Well, man, we went a long time and I yes, sure do appreciate it. I hope that someone got something out of this because this was a special feature. As far as I'm concerned, we're going on probably about an hour and um, I appreciate you joining the show as I always do. I appreciate the listeners. And is there anything you want to add? Um, there may be some new listeners and didn't get to hear you last time to talk about yourself a little bit. Um, hey guys, again, um, it's a pleasure. Welcome to the mindset reload. Um, tuning into me and John, you know, um, you know, John is the host of the show. I am definitely a, guest and i love being a guest on this show but also i would like to say in order to um if you guys have any kind of challenges or any kind of issues mental health wise um as far as for your teens for yourself please do not be afraid to contact us at balancedliving.com all right we are located in rome and we are definitely here for your mental health needs um overall Definitely get in contact with us and we can definitely help you out. Um, as far as for any parent 
that has issues with their children and their children are having major challenges as far as maybe drug issues or anything like that, please feel free to get in contact with us also. Um, and this one is not through Balanced Living. This one is through Highland Rivers Health um, at the clubhouse. We are here at the clubhouse. Um, you can definitely find us on highlandrivershealth.org. Um, and that's primarily it. You know, um, I just want to go ahead and reach that out for people. Um, many resources. You don't necessarily have to come to us, but we are here. And um, if we can't help you, we can find somebody that can. You also offer remote. Yes. That, that's huge. I mean, you know, there was a lot of my sessions, probably majority of them were remote. Now, is that are you only allowed to do that in Georgia? Is that a rule? Uh, yeah, only because of licensing and everything else like that. Um, okay. But we're looking to we're looking to break through that right now. So we're trying to find ways to reach um, reach more people along the lines of Alabama, Tennessee, um, you know, Savannah, stuff like that. I'll tell you, there's one national resource out there called BetterHelp. Have you heard of them? Mm-hmm. Yes. So our our employer has, I mean, it's great. Our employer actually has a partnership with those guys and they offer like, I forget, it's like 12 to 15 sessions for free through anybody that's employed by my employer, which nice. I thought was pretty cool. So if you guys do not live within Rick's realm or area, um, reach out to BetterHelp, man. They're They're good. They'll actually, um, you, there's a questionnaire and you actually get to pick your therapist based on, yeah, based on, you know, what kind of problems you feel like you're having and what they specialize in is spiritual, no, non-spiritual, you know, um, female, male, whatever, whatever it is, man. Um, they're there to help. Well, Rick, man, I appreciate it. Um, I'll be reaching out to you to look at getting you up on a, uh, probably another two or three weeks, get you back on the show. I like to try to keep you in here at least every two or three weeks where everybody at least once a month gets to see or hear you. Um, gotcha, brother. I'm with it. Man, I appreciate you joining the call. I'm sorry it went so long tonight, but no, me, by all me, means, man. You know, we all, we've always been bad about going in 30 minute sessions and it going two hours. <laughs> hey, man, listen, it's a vibe, brother. It it's is. A vibe. I mean, That's. That's the whole thing. The whole thing we're out here to help people. Um, as I said before, guys, free game. Get it while it's still free. That's right. Well, Rick, I sure do appreciate you, buddy. And um, until next time, man, stay safe. 